Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. This is episode number 80 of Dope Nostalgia, and I'm your host, Naomi. Welcome to the show once again. My very special guest today is an esteemed rock journalist. Mitch LaFon is joining me to discuss the incredible album by Bon Jovi called Keep the Faith. Before we get to that, we're going to tell you what's been happening in the news with a Dope Nostalgia news break. Hot off the presses? you got to adjust those rabbit ears. You got that antenna pulled up? It's time for some dope nostalgia news. All right, my blockheads. A while back, eh, about three months ago, we did a very special party with all of the uh, NKOTB content creators called, we got together and we made a group called NKOTB Block Action. And then quarterly, we're going to be putting together these events on Zoom where we hang out, show videos, have a dance party for all the blockheads. And the next one we're doing is going to be for charity. Uh, It's going to be announced to be on August 14th. That's a Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's all we can tell you for now. Um, It's right. It's the week after the new kids on the block play Fenway Park or Park if you're from Boston. Hey, so make sure you check that out. We'll give you some more details as the date comes closer. But there's so many cool people involved in this. And it's such a good time. One of our beloved guests on the show, Biff Naked, has a show coming up as an acoustic duo at uh, the Rose Brampton, July 15th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as part of their Live from the Rose virtual concert events this summer. You can find out more information about that at therosebrampton.ca. And lastly, in other news, Britney Spears' father, Jamie, is still a piece of shit. Wikipedia moments. My special guest today is an esteemed rock journalist, well-respected and totally awesome. Mitch LaFon is joining me. He's been covering the world of rock and music at large going into his third decade now. In his first interview, it goes back to June 9th, 1980 with Kiss's Gene Simmons, who at the time was promoting the band's newly released Unmasked album. Mitch was 11 years old at the time. Since then, he's interviewed a who's who of rock royalty, including members of Metallica, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith, Def Leppard, Scorpions, Judas Priest, and many more. He's also displayed his versatility with interviews outside the rock realm, including Rick Astley, Boy George, Bananarama, and others. What makes his interviewing style unique is that it combines his vast knowledge of music in general with his many personal friendships with rock's greatest artists. The results are interviews that are part informative, part two friends talking, and part music savant. His interviews are wildly sourced and referenced by leading rock publications, including Billboard, Rolling Stone, Brazil's Roadie Crew, and many others. You can find Mitch's podcast, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, on all your favorite podcast platforms and his YouTube channel as well, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Here he is joining me today for a lengthy and very in-depth conversation about the Bon Jovi album, Keep the Faith. Hello. How are you? Really good. How are you doing? Good. Surviving. <laughs> yeah. And uh, by the way, we're 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 talking May eighth, and uh, this is the day that In These Arms debuted on the charts in nineteen ninety three. So it's a perfect day to do this. It really is. I think that might have been the third single off that album. Uh, okay. Let me go check. 
I think it might have been. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. I didn't write down if it was the first, second, or third. But I know I'm. Uh, I'm tweeting about. Oh, I tweeted about it this morning that it was the the debut. Uh, yeah, it is the third uh, single. You're right. One of the big things that made me want to speak with you particularly is because I know you're a Bon Jovi fan, and it's really nice to see someone in media who treats this band with respect. I love Bon Jovi. I mean, I have a, a you know a 500 song playlist that I keep in my phone. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm deep in uh, deep dive, and I've got I've got the new album in there too, 2020. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about it overall? Um. Uh, I broke it apart into a playlist. So I have one song here, one song there, and, and it works perfectly fine. I think as a whole, you know, as an experience of 45 minutes or 50 minutes, it gets a little tedious. But I mm -hmm. think if you spread the songs out, they're perfectly fine. You know, um, yeah. I don't have any, uh, any qualms with it. And, and people always say, well, it's not like the old Bon Jovi. It's not like this. Well, you know, none of us are the old i'm not the old mitch you're not the old naomi we we move on yeah. it's just it's just the way it is so uh uh you know it, it it drives me crazy when people say it's not like the old stuff you know and i mean half of that songwriting team has changed too right so there's part of that even though it was starting to change direction even before richie left it it was but how can you expect somebody 30 40 years into a career to write the same songs over and over again and and it's also it's a can't win situation because if they did 40 years of the exact same song 40 years of living on a prayer fans would be on twitter going oh the band never never evolves it's always the same thing so yeah it's a no-win situation it's a no-win situation i honestly i don't know how these bands do it um yeah I, I I would probably just give up and say, listen, you want to hear from me? Fine. Don't hear from me. I'm okay. I don't need this stuff. But you listen to a song like Limitless. You listen to a song like uh, Blood in the Water. You listen to uh, Beautiful That's Drug. That's my favorite. They're perfectly fine. Blood in the Water is a great song. It really is. And, and so is Limitless. Limitless is perfectly fine. If Limitless comes out on New Jersey... We're not having a discussion. People are going, oh, man, that was great song number nine on New Jersey. But because it comes out in 2020, people are like, oh, you know, you got to bring back Richie. You got to bring. Yeah, listen. <laughs> it's I think it's pretty much said and done. I think it's over with Richie. I don't think that's going to happen again. I'm not so convinced. No, no. You think things will change down the road? Uh, I think money talks. And I think after a pandemic for Bon Jovi to come out and, and rain at, you know, be back on top. I, I think that in 2022 or 2023, it's not a far-fetched concept that John and the boys want to do a stadium tour and be part of the big thing again mm -hmm. and, and get Richie back. I, I don't see that as being completely far-fetched. Uh, you, you know, if you, if you come to somebody and say, listen, we are going to give you oodles of millions of dollars, 45 million, 20 million, whatever it is. I think if you're Richie, I think if you're, if you're John, you just go, yeah, I think I can take 45 million for a summer. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Um, I see. I see your point on that, but I definitely saw that Guns N' Roses did it and we never thought that would happen. Guns N' Roses have done it. Um, Motley Crue 
have been trying to do it for two years, but it's not, <laughs> the pandemic mm. is not uh, panning out for them. Yeah. There's, you know, they're in a, in a space where they don't have to necessarily like each other or, or dislike each other. They just have to show up, do yeah. their parts, take the check. And, you know, a lot of them have to start thinking about family, about legacy, about what do we leave? And I don't see why they would leave that on the table. And and the talk in the media, you know, that we see back and forth has changed in tone over the last uh, two years. Five mm-hmm. years ago, it was like, man, screw each other. And now, if you look at, at the reports and interview, interviews with John and interviews with Richie over the last two years, they're like, well, you know, never say never. It, it could happen. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um and now I would personally think do like Iron Maiden, you know, don't don't throw Phil out. Keep Phil in there. Mm-hmm. Bring Richie back. You know, d- do the whole eight people on stage thing. Why not? Let's let's have a party. But I'm willing to bet top dollar that before 2025, we will see a Bon Jovi reunion with Richie. I really do. I'd be, I'd be happy with that. Absolutely. I was at the show after Richie left because it, it happened in Calgary. Calgary yeah. And then, so I, I missed all that. Unfortunately, I just got to see what people were talking about in the message forums and whatnot, getting ready for the show the next night in Edmonton. And uh, yeah, their first show with Phil officially. I was at that one. So. And it I, was and I bet you it was great because here. Phil's great. <laughs> He even did his harmonies like he I mean, it probably took him some time, but he did quite a few harmonies, vocal harmonies. So, I mean, he was a consummate professional. Phil is no slouch. And by the way, I'm just looking. I have uh, I have Aftermath of the Lowdown by Richie in my phone. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's a great such an underrated album. So it's true. It's true. And like, I was really thankful for the closure that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony kind of provided on the situation because just seeing them all together on stage just felt good at that time. It seems that they were great, like brothers, you know? Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think they're not brothers. I think, you know, uh, and I'm not in a position to, to have $80 million to argue over, but I think when you start making that much money, you've got a lot of people on the team going, you're the reason for the success. No, it's you're the reason for the success. And it pulls people apart. And then they come back for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and they just go, you know what? We started this when we were 17, 18, 20, whatever it was. We didn't have the teams that were telling us how great we were. So I, I don't think there's any real animosity between the two. I think mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of publicists and record company guys and friends that go, you're the star, you're the star. Yeah. And it gets in the way. Mm-hmm. But just that taking that opportunity to think back to when they started it, when they were kids, I'm sure that's exactly what it felt like for them. Look how far we came. Yeah. Rock and roll hall of fame, which (laughs) I I would argue put them in there uh, begrudgingly because uh, the rock and roll hall of fame is anything but rock and roll. It's all about apparently rap and and alternative (laughs) and anything that's (laughs) rock and roll. They go, Oh no, no, no. Can't have foreigner in there. Oh no. Can't, can't put a rock band in there (laughs) so strange so messed up but uh, you know there's definitely a lot more pop stars i think than rock stars i know i'll I'll give you my quick uh foreigner uh pitch but uh, Mm. first five albums by foreigner were top five billboard albums the first five were top five Mm. 
And you can't tell me that that didn't influence somebody somewhere at where you go, damn, that's rock and roll hall of fame worthy. You know, absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure Bon Jovi's first five weren't top five. I'm, I'm pretty sure Joan Jett's first five weren't top five. And yet, oh. Foreigner is one of those bands where as soon as you start hearing the hits, you're like, I know all of these songs already. You might not have realized it, but you do. You do. And they have fed American top 40 radio for 40 years. And, and if that's not Rock and Roll Hall of Fame worthy, where it just says, these, this is a staple of the scene. Anyway, back to Bon Jovi. We love, <laughs> we love our Bon Jovi. I was going to wear a Bon Jovi shirt, but I picked out Ozzy out of the closet by mistake. Oh, well. That's okay. Look at that. um, Got my beautiful Ozzy. But yes, let's, let's, let's talk like Bon Jovi. Uh, definitely my favorite album of all time with them is These Days. Uh, you know, pretty, pretty underrated. A lot of people don't know about that album. But, uh, you know, a lot of these albums, those albums were better with the bonus tracks. And these days, definitely the what they sold in North America, you just went, "Eh, yeah, a lot of ballads. And then you get the bonus tracks and go, oh, uh, 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 uh." so, yeah, their their bonus tracks are like maybe they just didn't fit the mood of the album in their opinion. But some of them are way better than anything I've ever like the song Stay or I Can Make a Living Out of Loving You. It's incredible. Neurotica off of uh, Crush. Absolutely love that one. Yeah. And you know, uh, I, th- I talked to, I, I spoke to David Coverdale about, about the song Looking for Love, which was supposed to be on the 87 album. And it was in Europe. And I go, Dave, it, it's Dave. I'm not, sorry, you, you never say Dave to David Coverdale. <laughs> I learned, <laughs> I learned that by making that mistake once. Uh, but I said, David, I said, Looking for Love is one of the greatest songs you've ever written. Why, why was it only available in Europe? And he's like, well, you asked John Kalodner that question because that was a stupid mistake to take it off. So I'm assuming that on some of these bonus tracks with Bon Jovi, somebody in the record company goes, you know, ballads is what sells. You don't need neurotica. Nobody's going to understand neurotica from Bon Jovi. Take that off. Or uh, that song, there's a like, prostitute. Prostitute, yeah, wedding day. Yeah, like uh, just tons of them. They're so good. See, I, like I, I have a massive playlist of just B sides and uh, unreleased stuff. Me too. And and I guarantee that prostitute is a song that somebody at the record company at Universal probably said, "Dude, you can't be talking about prostitutes. You got a clean image. You can't. You no, know, you can't have that on the record. It's going to yeah. tarnish you. You know." I guarantee they had that that conversation. I don't know for sure. I wasn't there, but I guarantee they had that conversation. But yeah, like if I wanted to show a non-fan three songs to show them that Bon Jovi wasn't a fluffy arena rock band, which ones would you pick? I I think I would go with My Guitar Lights Bleeding in My Arms is one of the first ones. uh, Well, let's see. uh, That Bon Jovi is a a non-pop band? Yeah, non-fluffy arena rock, because that's what a lot of people tend to think. Like they only f- listen, they've heard like living on a prayer and they can contend in the right, minds. I, I'm going to go with these. Um, I'm going to go with fear. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with the one I mentioned, neurotica. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, where else am I going to go? Um, I, I got a ton rolling around my head. 
I mean, prostitute wouldn't be a bad thing just, you know, but maybe, maybe it's too contrived because it's prostitute. I'm just trying to think. Um, I would probably have to go to 7,800 Fahrenheit, maybe like price of love. Very good. Uh, good choices. Yeah. Like I said, I would, I would have picked if my, I was your mother. my arms. If yeah. I was your mother was on my list. That's actually my favorite Bon Jovi song. Yeah. If I was your mother, fe- but fear, fear is definitely not a pop rock, anything. Mm-mm. The big thing about the album Keep the Faith, which is the main focus of today, is for me, I found that it was the make it or break it album for them. If that hadn't taken off the way it had, I don't think they'd be here today to the capacity that they are because of the timing. But with the climate changing into grunge at that time, they survived grunge with this record. I would I would, uh, I would, definitely agree that they survived uh, grunge. And by the way, um, let's not overstate the importance of grunge. Let us, let us focus on the fact that if you look at the Billboard charts in the early 90s, mm-hmm. every single rock band that we loved was pumping out ballad after ballad after ballad after ballad. You know, you look at Motley Crue, you look at Whitesnake, you look at Def Leppard. It was one ballad after the other, and uh, they killed themselves. I mean, at some point, you, you go, wow, I want my, my band to have balls, and oh, uh, another ballad. Great. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm a huge Aerosmith fan, or I, I was. I mean, I'm not as much now, but I, I was a huge Aerosmith. I mean, that, that was my band, along with, with Bon Jovi. And it was crying, followed by amazing fall. And it was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you stop? Yeah, the trifecta of ballads oh of that album was, it was. I thought it was just to showcase those videos. I thought that was the whole point of those three songs being released the way they were. But, yeah. and and But I lost my interest at that time in those bands because they stopped being the bands. They they started being this, this pablum. And it was just like, ugh. So... It had nothing to do with grunge. I mean, grunge came in and, and, and I mean, shooting star. I mean, it was up, what, two years, three years, and then it was gone. Mm. So I know everybody likes to say uh, Nirvana killed hair metal, but I will argue till the day I die that the incessant balladry killed that scene because people were just like, wow, dude, if you're not going to rock, forget it. <laughs> I'm not going to stay. But um, what was the original question? Because <laughs> I got off track. So I, I kind of felt that this was the make it or break it album right. for them. Yeah. Like this would determine the, what the next 20, 30 years were going to be for Bon Jovi. Yeah, I can't uh, disagree with that. I, I remember very specifically waiting uh, for the new Bon Jovi album. And there was talks of, oh, they broke up. And then there was the rip cover. And Richie and John don't talk to each other anymore. And oh, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, oh, there's a picture of John with his haircut. And you put it yeah. on and you heard Keep the Faith and you go, uh-huh. And then I believe, which was a great <gasps> opening statement, right? Like, I believe Incredible in this band. I believe in this whatever. I believe in this music, whatever, whatever however you want to um, credit it. But it's I believe, and you go, yeah. And then the second one is Keep the Faith. And you're like, yeah, damn right. I believe and I'm going to keep the faith. And then it just, it, it sort of became anthemy just on those first two. And by the time, it, and I had bought the Japanese version, by the time you get down to save a prayer, you're like, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in, you win. And 
boy, they they re-released that album in so many different configurations. I mean, I have a blue version of it and a this and a gatefold and mm-hmm. and it was just like, okay, you win. I, I'm in, you know, and yeah. blame it on the love of rock and roll. You're damn right I will. So yeah, it really had it been well, had it been like get a grip from Aerosmith with just ballad after ballad after ballad. I don't think I would have, uh, I would have cared, uh, but, mm. but you go from uh woman in love to fear to uh, if I was your mother to, to save a prayer, to keep the faith to go, Oh, okay. Our boys still have some rock in them. Okay. I'm good. So I felt these songs were all like pretty much very different too. They're it, yeah. from each other. You know, I didn't find any filler on this album to be quite honest. Not I, really. I don't. Yeah. Well, well, I'm 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 one of those that I don't find any Bon Jovi album to have filler. I like all the songs. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, people will argue that uh, what is it? Social disease. Oh, it's terrible. I, I like, like social it. disease. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know, have they put Edge of a Broken Heart instead of Social Disease? And I keep saying instead <gasps> of we had CDs. They should have put both. What the hell? <laughs> Give me more, not less. What are you talking about? So I'm going to go, I'm going off on, on the B sides again. Love is war, New Jersey. Oh, fantastic. Great song. Rosie, which they had recorded back in the day, you know, it ended up on Richie's solo album, but, but there are versions of Rosie with John singing floating around. Oh, I'd love to find that. What a great song. (laughs) You know, by, by the way, the, the one thing that, that, you would love to find is uh, down the street from me lives Aldenova, about 15 minutes right. away. And I was at his house in August. I watched your interview. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. And yeah, and I was at, I was at his house and he has this box of cassette tapes. And I said, Oh, what are those tapes? <laughs> and he pulls it out. He goes, eh, those are the uh, Bon Jovi uh, blaze of glory demos. And I'm like, just sitting on a box like that. He goes, yeah, yeah, I should digitize them one day. And anyway, he takes it out and he puts it in the tape layer. And you basically hear John in a hotel room all by himself doing an acoustic version of, of Blake, like a scratch track. And I was just like, oh man, could you please digitize? <laughs> Don't let that crumble to dust. Oh my you God. You got to digitize that. And, and it was amazing. And it was, it, first of all, I was in his studio. So you had those big speakers and the studio sound. And mm. to hear John, and I'm going to say the word naked, but I mean, obviously not the way he was dressed, but just that naked mm. voice, that naked vocal, no production, just him and an acoustic guitar doing Blaze of Glory. And it's like, wow. That's amazing. That was what? amazing. And he played a couple of the other tracks too. I forget what, I think, I think it might've been Santa Fe or... Uh, that's my favorite one off that album. Yeah, or, or and I think the other one was Blood. Anyway, he played a, a couple of them, and uh, um, I know my buddy Jeremy, who put it on his uh, YouTube feed. He he put a little snippet of the Blaze of Glory because uh, uh, Aldo said, ah, "I don't care if you tape it, whatever." Mm-hmm. So you can go listen to that. Well, thirty seconds yes. of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Um- talking about keep the faith too this was also a time where there was management change they had fired doc mcgee around that time and created yep. bon jovi management yep so i think it was the beginning of john becoming a businessman which he's very well known for now yep 
and taking uh, and taking matters into his own hand. I think if you look at the New Jersey tour, and I've and I've spoken to to to, to folks about this. Doc kept saying, stay on the hamster wheel, stay on the hamster wheel, stay on the hamster wheel, you know, keep, well, I booked you another 40 shows. And I was like, oh, on top of the other 200, great. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, from what I understand afterwards, and, you know, I've interviewed um, Richie and I've interviewed Doc and stuff. My understanding afterwards was that John just went, Mm-mm, we're not doing that again. We're going to yep. do it my way from now on. And when I'm tired, we're resting. And when I rock, want to rock, we're going to rock. And when we're going to stay home, I'm going to stay home. That's it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think the management change was, was due. I think that's when he brought in Eileen um, Schreiber, Schreiberman, Schreiberman. Good old Eileen. Anyway, got rid of yeah. her. Yeah, no, I mean, like that was the biggest problem at the end of the New Jersey tour when he was having to shoot himself up with steroids just to get through a show because he was so exhausted. It, that's not good for anybody to nope. have to live that way. So I'm glad that they took control. And I mean, he'd already been doing management for a while, like getting into take with Aldenova's career and Skid Row's career. He had been already going in that direction. Yeah. And, and you know what? I find uh, through the years that the most successful artists are always the one that's that have taken charge. You, you look at Def Leppard with Joe Elliott and, and Phil, you look at Gene and Paul in, in Kiss and you, you look at Phil Collins and you look at David, they take charge. Uh, you know, six, Nikki Six, you know, successful bands take charge of, of business. They know what they want. They know how to get it. And it completely made sense for, for John to take over and, and decide this is the vision. And, you know, probably that's, that's partly, probably why um, Richie got disenfranchised eventually because John maybe, I, I don't know, but. Good, good times. Good times. Uh, keep yeah. the faith. I'm trying to think how many shows I saw on that tour. Probably four or five. I remember seeing Ottawa, Montreal, Saratoga Springs. Yeah, you're in a good area to get around to see the different shows too, because those cities are a lot closer together than out here in Western Canada. Yeah, it, it being in being on the outskirts of Montreal has made it real easy because bands will either, you know, they'll do Boston, New Hampshire, New York, Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa. So, you mm-hmm. know, within a, a six hour drive, you can go catch a band like five times on tour. Just mm-hmm. I love it. And they're all cities that always get the get the shows, too. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Boston always has a show. Montreal, sometimes uh, Ottawa, sometimes. But yeah, there's always one to be seen. And uh, Bon Jovi loves this area. They do. And it's funny because like being in Edmonton, we used to be the city that was like, oh, maybe we'll get the big tour. Just maybe. Or then you, then the tour dates come out and it's Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal. And you're like, but then we got the new arena, which hasn't had a lot of opportunity to be used yet because obviously from COVID. But I mean, I've seen probably already six shows in that arena and it's fantastic state-of-the-art place so when you ever come out to Edmonton gotta catch a show there I got yeah I gotta I gotta catch a I gotta catch a show by the way just uh to finish on Alda Nova um Mm -hmm. when I was at his studio he's like uh because he has like three or four different studios in his basement you know Mm -hmm. and I was standing in one and he goes he goes you know that's where Richie recorded the live album I'm like what he goes yeah 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 Obi O'Brien and Richie came up here and and the the live album that they put out in whatever uh, ninety six or seven. When, when did they put that out? Ninety six, ninety seven. 
I thought it was later after Crush, wasn't it? I'm trying to hear. I thought me. it was after Crush. Yeah, he goes, but uh, was it after Crush? Yeah, it was after Crush. Yeah, one well, okay, 2000, uh, 2001. One Wild Night Live. One Wild Night. He's like, yeah. He goes, Richie did all his parts in there. I'm like, but it's a live album. He goes, you tell yourself that, Mitch. You tell yourself that. <laughs> Uh, that's great so so <laughs> richie sambora's one wild night uh, live performances were well at least for the most part uh redubbed in hudson quebec <laughs> that's yeah. all it was just a touch-up just touch-up yeah just cosmetic uh, fixes right sure <laughs> yeah um well, i think with the the cohesive theme throughout keep the faith although the songs were all quite different from each other was it felt bluesier grittier there was a lot more organ and piano in it, rootsier than it was in the uh, late 80s. So, and I felt that they weren't really concerned with track length <laughs> because Dry County, the epic nine minute and some second song is probably one of the greatest tunes they've ever done. So it's also one of the only songs, one of the only songs over four minutes that I actually like. I, I just don't like songs that are six, seven, eight minutes long because a lot of them just, have a lot of parts that they just repeat, repeat, and you just go, just, you know, effing snip it out. <laughs> hey, Jude. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah. And you just go, just, just like get to the chorus, stop boring us, you know? Yeah. And Dry County actually, it, it actually works. The, the only other band that I can, that I can tolerate doing long songs is UFO. Other than that, chop them down. Like, um, there's a Guns N' Roses demo of November Rain that's four minutes long. Mm. it's glorious really oh and then you hear the nine minute version you go oh just go back to the four minute version <laughs> so much better you know before i was obviously before covid i was a karaoke host too as one of my jobs and i liked when someone does a song that's nine minutes it gives me a chance to <laughs> uh do a bunch of other things and come back but uh but yeah you, you sing dry county while i go pee just go <laughs> I always feel so selfish singing that song because I'm taking up the whole nine minutes that other people could be singing. But I was like, I don't care. I love it. It's a great song. It's and terrific song. This, al this album was ranked number 21 on Kerrang's 100 albums you must hear before you die. Oh, was it? Yeah. Which no. I thought, this is the album they chose. That's pretty cool. I thought. That's not a bad. Well, listen for for Kerrang for for Kerrang or Metal Hammer or, or any of those to choose a Bon Jovi album. I'll, I'm down with that. <laughs> yeah, well. it's nice. Um, if I kind of have a little bit of a breakdown track by track here of things I wanted to bring up about each song, starting at the very start where we touched on "I Believe," mm -hmm. right.
incredible way to kick off the album and I thought John was really at a vocal high in his career during this time and it's very evident on this track yeah I, I won't disagree I mean mm-hmm. the whole album from start to finish was a renouveau I mean you, you came off the New Jersey tour like I said before you came off all these uh, we broke up rumors Bon Jovi will never exist I mean we, we saw all the articles in Metal Edge and in Kerrang and all that and then you hit I Believe, mm. and the performance is believable. The uh, the guitar playing is great. The voice is great. I would mm-hmm. suggest that U.E. McDonald's bass playing was great, because we all know that Alec didn't play on anything. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the whole thing, the statement was great. I mean, it was just, it was just the perfect track to, to come back after the layoff and go, yeah, we're back. Do you think that would have worked as the leadoff single? Or do you think it's good the way it was? Um, hmm, it's a good question. Uh, would it have worked as the, it might've, though I think Keep the Faith had a little bit more pop sensibilities, a little bit more sort of living on the prayer kind of thing going on where, where fans could relate to it. I believe is a great song, but is it a single? Or is it a lead? I don't know if it would have worked as a single. It might it might have been a, a bit too hard edged for for some radio stations to play, and therefore mm-hmm. they might not have added it to to the to the playlist. Whereas "Keep the Faith" was, you know, rocky enough for the rock stations and poppy enough for the the top forty stations. So, I mean, it would have worked mm-hmm. for me. I just don't know if it would have worked business wise. Yeah, I think they made the right choice. Um, and with Keep the Faith, too, I mean, it was a very strong message throughout. Um, I was going to say that bass line is incredible, and they really let the bass work shine. And it's funny because in my notes, I had said Alec or Hugh to be determined. <laughs> so, Well, my understanding, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> when I last interviewed Richie, I, I asked him, I, uh, you know, they, they were going into the uh, Hall of Fame, and uh, you was going to be aduc- inducted with them. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm glad that you had you inducted because we know that he was, you know, from Runaway onwards, he, he was on the albums. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, 
you're right. And, and, and then he, he went on to say that the reason they couldn't use Alec is because Alec didn't get the songs and was moving too slow and, and you moved quick and, and got them done. So my understanding over the years is that Alec really didn't play on much, if anything, and that pretty much everything is you. So I am going to suggest that you uh, is on Keep the Faith and and the song, and that's his mm -hmm. bass part. That's 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 what I'm going to suggest now. They can they can you know <laughs> correct me later. <laughs> they can yeah. they can correct me later, but I don't believe uh, I'm wrong on that one. But yes, yeah, what what a what a what a baseline, and that's one thing that that also was very different uh, with that song is. You listen to the other ones, and it was about the the Richie Sambora uh, guitar solo, or was it was about John's vocal? Uh, they never focused on the bass. It was never about the bass. You know, what's a great Bon Jovi bass song before "Keep the Faith"? Can't think of one, really. I can't think of one. I mean, "Runaway" is about keyboards, and and mm -hmm. "Living on a Prayer" is about that 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 vocal harmony and 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 the, the songwriting. You know, what's, what's a Bon Jovi bass song before Keep the Face? So, so to me, that, that was interesting that suddenly they said, okay, here's a new element, a new, new element. Yeah, you, you didn't think we had new elements, but here's a new element. We got you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder how that worked for them with the live shows with Alec, if he was able to keep up with the parts or not. Because I could sense that John can get very easily frustrated when things aren't going right. Yeah. And I've literally seen him in concert where they made a mis the band had made a mistake, an audible mistake, and they got the death glare. Yeah, from John, you know. Well, go back so and look at some of the video. There's a lot of death glares going on towards Alec, <laughs> where <laughs> the song you just go oh, and then he just goes ah, you know. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Go go look at uh, Buffalo 1993 or whatever that famous bootleg. That's real. There's a lot of stuff where John is just like. Oh, and I, I think that was part of the reason why they had to get rid of him. They're just like, you don't play on the albums. You can't do it live. Get out of here. Well, he had more than enough chances. They gave him a huge amount of time to get it right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And again, uh, if, if you, McDonald, uh, had a, you know, uh, an, an 80s glammy look or whatever uh, back in 1983, I don't think we ever would have had Alec in the band. I, I think that when they, mm -hmm. when the record companies got involved and said, you have to have a look and you have, and they looked at you and they went, uh, we can't have an accountant be the bass player. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we can't. Um, so I think that's why they had to get a guy who looked dirty and gritty and her. Yeah. Alec had the look. Had the look. It was fun too. I always liked watching Access All Areas because there was a lot of good times that they had on tour, even when things were, you know, really rough on them but i mean some of the jokes in there and like alec was a funny guy yeah he was uh, i'm not yeah. gonna i'm not gonna bemoan him or anything but he, he oh yeah but i i i do think it would have been very different had they put you on you know fahrenheit you know mm -hmm. <laughs> here's alec and or whatever uh, john and thing and then there's you it, I, it probably would have clashed uh but i i love you i, th I think he's the greatest uh, truly one of the best underrated bass players and what a great gig for him now he he doesn't have to worry about, you know he 
he gets to play a show and then he can go around walk in the mall and nobody annoys him. It's perfect. Isn't that great? I know. <laughs> I know. when i'm dead the party anthem of the album hey sleep when i'm dead i think it was a reluctant single like it might have i could almost say that it would should have been released earlier in the in the scheme of things but i don't know it's just fun that the whole thing was just showing that the band is fun we're still here to have a good time yeah i'm just trying to look at it was single number four huh wow yeah it was definitely later in the scheme of things even i believe had a video but I don't know if it was released as a single. Well, according to uh, according to what I'm looking at here, uh, I believe was the fifth th- single, and Dry County was the sixth single. Believe it or not, it's a lot of singles from one album. It is, and uh, which is the one? Uh, if I was your mother, has a video, but I don't think it was released as a single, right? Correct. Yeah, it was on the uh, Keep the Faith videos compilation right. VHS that i had vhs oh boy (laughs) oh boy on my vhs yeah and it it was one of those videos that i don't even know if they were actually performing the song if i was your mother for the video because it looked like he could have been singing anything it was just a live performance video all (laughs) smashed together yeah that's the way that's the way they do it right and but back to i'll sleep when i'm dead i mean what was great about these songs is when they went on tour they could slide these in in between the the wanted dead or alive and the you give love a bad name and they fit you know sometimes when a band goes out you go yeah greatest hit greatest hit ooh what was that it's a new one oh okay but these ones you they they slid in you went ah oh, yeah that's good that works yeah yeah um what a yeah what a boy what a great what a great tour that was holy mackerel good times good times yeah but I, i'll sleep when i'm dead um They've also performed it acoustically, and it works too, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, there's also the uh, Keep the Faith reggae version. Have you ever heard that one? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> Live from Australia or whatever it was. Yeah, I have that uh, MP3 somewhere. But uh, yeah, I, I Sleep When I'm Dead. It's just, it's a very simple, straightforward chorus. That's just a good time, really. Um, the video is fun too. And just some goofing around. Yeah, and me and I was going through uh, through university and stuff at that time. And uh, you know, as, as it is in university, you got to study, study, study. And and it was kind of like, 
and party. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I don't have time for <laughs> I got to keep yeah. moving. Got to keep moving. Great inspirational song. Great, great song for the gym. Even, you know, these, yeah. these are great gym songs. This is a great, a great gym tape. <laughs> it's motivational. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really is. You go to the gym and you got uh, keep the faith pumping in you. You're like, yeah, all right, keep the faith. Give me some more weights. Let's go. <laughs> arms the one that you we talked about right off the top there that this yeah. is the anniversary of that release um well, it's the uh, it's, uh, it's the um it was released actually on on may 9th but the anniversary of its debut on billboard's top 100 mm-hmm. was may 9th may, may here i got it i have my i have my note in front of me because i uh i tweeted about it earlier because you know that's that's what i do on my uh wonderful twitter it's on this day let's see here Uh, In These Arms uh, debuted at number 72 on Billboard's Hot 100 on May 8th, 1993. What a fantastic song. You know, when I go see a Bon Jovi show in whatever, 2019, or, you know, if they had done the tour with Brian Adams last year, I keep thinking, Mm -hmm. they got to play that one. That's one they got to play. That song never gets old. Uh, David Bryan has redone it uh, a couple of oh, times yes. and, and those versions are, I mean, a good song is a good song. So, uh, in these arms done by David or done by Brian or by not Brian Adams, but by Bon Jovi, mm-hmm. what a great song. And, and what I liked about it is that it straddled the line. It, it wasn't a, a, a balls out ballad at that, that you just went, Oh, really again? So it was it was rocky enough to not be a ballad, but it was ballady enough to 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 give you that to tug at the heartstrings. So it's like, yeah, all right, you got it. That's a good one. Well done. Yeah, well played. Yeah, the song had the song had a lot of like uh, slow down and jump back up in energy. It was climactic all over the place. I believe that's one of the songs that David Bryan. I don't know if he wrote it all himself, but he exclusively had a big role in writing that song. Yeah, well, and that's probably why it ended up on his two uh, on his on his solo albums because he he recorded a an instrumental version and a, a, a sung version. Uh, mm-hmm. But Bon Jovi and Sambora, I can see, get, did get writing credit, so they're like, uh, "Yeah, Dave, sure, give us twenty percent, and you can have this on the album." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Those lyrics like roses need the rain and the seasons need to change. Poet needs the pain. That's John right there. <laughs> John. Oh my God. Those are great lyrics. I can tell you as a Bon Jovi fan is I've never actually spent any time uh, deconstructing the lyrics. It's just like, you know, just give me the, the melody and the, and the, and the guitar and, and John's voice mm -hmm. and I'm good to go. I, I'm sure if I spend time yeah. looking at the lyrics, I'd be going, Oh my God, what was that? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's funny because when I listen to music, that's the thing that I, makes me like a, a track is is the music. I sometimes don't even pay attention to the lyrics until years later. And someone points out to me that this is what the song was saying. And I'm like, oh, I guess so. Well, but, it's funny because yeah, I, I interviewed a band recently and I said, oh, this new album has a lot of political stuff. And, you, you know, Trump this and Brexit that. I go, you've never done that before. And he goes, uh, the guy was like, what are you talking about? He goes, the song so-and-so was about uh, child rape and the child, the child this, and the, this song was about the whatever. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, you probably shouldn't have told me that because <laughs> I kind of like the music now. Now, now I'm going to have these horrible pictures. I'm like, no. So kind of ruined. So I'm, uh, yeah, sometimes it's just best not to listen to the lyrics and just enjoy the, enjoy, just bop along to the beat, you know? And it's like, yep. I was like, oh, you just ruined like four of your songs for me. Way to go. Thanks. <laughs> I just I just need a good guitar solo because like that's that's really important. I need a good guitar solo. And I mean, like, that's not something that's really important in music today, which is unfortunate. It is. But, you know, every everything has its has its moments and periods. I mean, uh, you know, the 60s stuff didn't have a lot of great guitar solos. And yet we love a lot of the 60s stuff and the mm -hmm. 70s stuff had, you know, so everything has its purpose. I don't see, I mean, I, I would like a nice guitar solo, but I don't know. I don't. A good a good riff is nice. <laughs> it That's is. Always good. It is. But listen, I, I've uh, I've had a chance to, to listen to Post Malone because of my daughter, and they mm. don't do any of that stuff, but you can't say the songs aren't good, and the guy's not, I mean, he is a talent, and the songs are good, mm. but they're good for a different reason, you know? I saw him recently on YouTube uh, doing some country music with some old classic country artists. And I was like, this kid's got a lot of uh, ability to make different genres all over the map. Post yeah. Malone, I'm impressed. Yeah. And he did a whole um, Nirvana concert. And it was like the first time I ever enjoyed it. I enjoyed anything Nirvana. So. <laughs> I'm... I. I'm not a Nirvana fan myself. Well, I was always a Soundgarden or Alice in Chains fan. 
yeah. and not, not so much Nirvana. I personally never got into any of that. I didn't like the look. I didn't like the look of the videos. I didn't like the harsh sounds. I really mm-hmm. need a melody. Mm-hmm. And those bands just weren't melodious to my ears. You know, I'm sure mm-hmm. some musicologists will say, yeah, you, you can hear the melody. I'm like, yeah, great. I don't care about Black Hole Song. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. But I have nothing against them. I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad they made a career out of it. Just... You know, my ears didn't like it. What, what can I tell you? And I, and I saw Alice in Chains open up for Kiss on the uh, reunion tour, and, and I just felt tortured for forty-five minutes. I, it, it was, it was, it was, oh, mm. it was evil. But if if somebody else likes it, okay, good, good. Not, you know, <laughs> Something for everyone, exactly. Yeah. And we going going into uh, the ballad. Here we go with Cama the ballad. Cama de Rosa. <laughs> Cama de Rosa, epic ballad. This old piano Trying hard to capture the moment This morning I don't know Close a bottle of vodka Still lodged in my head And so long gave me nightmares I think that she's still in my bed Dream about movies they won't make of me when I go With an ironclad fist, I wake up the French kiss the morning While some marching band keeps its own beat in my head while we're talking about all of those things that I long to believe about love The truth, you mean to me And the truth is Baby, you're all that I with the Wayne Isham directed video with the shots of Richie up on top of that mountain mm-hmm. was just brilliant, brilliant. Um, this is one of the, the whole point of this song is that the road is the mistress, right? I think it's like the first time that he wrote lyrics, not knowing what to write about. And the second time was my guitar lies bleeding in my arms where it's like, he talks about sitting down pen to paper, not being able to come up with something. So this is it. I can just imagine the the record company going, you don't have a bow on this album. Okay. <laughs> Bed of Roses. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I like Bed of Roses and, and I even like Cama de Rosa, the Spanish version of it. And I think it was actually done in a third language, if I'm not mistaken. But um, today, 
sitting here now, I'd be like, eh, I could, I could live not having to hear that again, quite frankly. And yet I, and, and yet yeah. I like it. I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm looking at the track listing and I'm going, well, if I had a choice in concert to hear, if I was your mother or better roses, I'm going mother. If I had the chance to hear fear yep. or better roses, I'm going fear. Yep. You know, if I, had, if I had a chance to hear save a prayer over better, you know, it's like, I'm just looking at these going, I, I would take, I believe I would take, I keep the faith. So it, it 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 drops down to like number 12 or number 13 on the list still a great song and, yep. a, and a great moment and a great video but again it was part of that undoing of the scene because you turn on the tv and you're like hey don't go away mad just go away oh hey better roses oh amazing oh geez i'm crying i'm i am fucking crying because I can't, I can't take this anymore <laughs> Oh, I'm literally crying because I can't take this anymore. So yeah, it's all the time, yeah. But hey, there was only one really track like that on this album. So I mean, hey, John said he wouldn't have been able to write a song like this five years prior, but gaining experiences biking through America on the break gave him the inspiration for this in Dry County. Yeah. So that's something he'd stated, but I don't know if this song was like a growth for him in in his writing. Maybe it might have been, but I mean, you know, to me, if you listen to Never Say Goodbye or Better Roses or I don't know what came after uh, This Ain't a Love Song, I mean, they're, 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 they're all sort of the same thing. They're not, you know, in terms of songwriting, I, I don't think one is more mature than the other. Uh, mm-hmm. I like all the songs. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think John was pretty established as a songwriter after Slippery. I think uh, I think Slippery got him in, and then after that, everything was was very high quality. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Great video, though. Very cool video. After these messages, we'll be right back. Guess what, friends? I have a new voicemail number just for you. Give us a call at Dope Nostalgia. Our number is 780-851-8785. Leave us a message. Pick up the phone just like you used to in the old days. Remember before text messaging? Yeah, we used to actually call each other. If you just want to be heard and be on the podcast, give us a call. Once again, our Dope Nostalgia Hotline, 780-851-8785. Pick up the phone. This number is Canadian, so long distance charges may apply. Hi, I'm John Bon Jovi, and I've been given a script to talk to you about drugs, rock and roll, having fun, a good time, and all that good stuff. Well, I'll tell you what, drugs is not a part of my everyday routine, it's not everyday fun, it's not good for you. All right, so listen, think twice before you do drugs, because there ain't no winners out there doing it. Going into uh, what I mentioned earlier is my favorite Bon Jovi song of all time is If I Was Your Mother, which is uh, just it goes so many interesting places melodically, especially after the bridge. We love and and then like how they take it back towards the chorus and with really cool vocal harmonies. It was melodically brilliant. It's a perfect song.
It's a perfect song that they have buried in their live performances. They, they just, they don't, they don't even recognize it. And you're just like, wow, it's such a good one. But I guess it's not a single. It doesn't have that sort of top 40 radio appeal, I guess. John had done an Instagram thing, I think, when he was doing the anniversary of Keep the Faith. Or he was week, I think it was week by week. He was talking about different albums. Right. And when he touched, he, I don't think he said much about that song at all. I think he barely grazed over mentioning it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just like, how? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. and that and fear are to me probably the the two best songs on the album. Mm-hmm. A- and they just, you know, I'm sure if you like talk to Richie and go, "Hey, fear," he'd be like, "We didn't we didn't record a song called What are you talking about? It was on Keep the Faith. I'll have to go check that. I don't know. Like, like <laughs> I don't even think they realize that they that they even recorded those songs at this point. You know, I mean, I'm saying that facetiously, but (laughs) I do think that if I recall, John did have something positive to say about fear. Oh, did he? I think so. I have to watch that again. But yeah, if you can find that, I think it's on his Instagram. Anyway, uh, yeah, the sub. Did I ever tell you when I met uh, John and and the band? No, my uh, my my famous Bon Jovi story. If you have if you want to uh, indulge me for for two minutes. Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, they they brought the Crush tour up to the Colisee in Quebec City, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the 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 whole day starts with, uh, you know, it's a three hour drive for me. So I figured I'm going to get there early and I'm going to go eat supper and so on and so forth. And the thing about the Colisee at the time is they were charging like twenty or twenty five bucks to park at the Colisee. But they only put up the gates like at four in the afternoon. So I figured, okay, I'm going to get there before they put the gates up and I'm going to park. So I, when the show's over, I'll be one of the first to leave. And I got there super early, like at two in the afternoon. And it was cold. It was beginning of uh, May and it was cold in Quebec City. But I had the, the, the black shorts on and the black hoodie. And I parked and, and it was a three hour drive. So I had to pee. So I said to the security guard, I said, um, I said uh, in English, I said, where's the bathroom? And he goes, oh, come on. I went uh, bathroom, toilet. To-. He goes, ah, toilet. He goes, uh, down, down, right, right. I go, oh, okay, down. So I go backstage down to the right and I'm backstage. And I'm like, huh, look at that. That's kind of interesting. And um, I, I just hang out there all day and I walk back and forth you know, pretend you, pretend you belong. Right. So I walk yeah. back and forth and the security guards, Hey, how's it going? I'm like, oh, good. And I look like a roadie and, uh, <laughs> they, they do sound check and I watch sound check. And I remember they did, um, they did a, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp. I think they did pink houses or my, uh, at, at, at sound check. And I'm, I'm watching the sound check and the security guards watching me watch sound check, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 
anyway, so so the tunnel where the players come out, the hockey players come out, is 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 where I stood the entire night, which is right stage. Um, uh, let's see, uh, stage right, uh, audience left, right. So it was on stage right, and I just stood in that tunnel. I watched, and the security guard walked back and forth, and I was, I never went to my seats. And uh, the show ends, and I know is about to end because I had seen it before. I'm like, okay, this is going to be the last song. I'm going to get out of here. So I start leaving. And the security guard grabs me and he goes, no, you're wrong way, this way, this way. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh-oh. Damn it. Well, I've had a good night. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's been a good day. I, I, I had no supper, no nothing. I just, I just stood in that venue, in that hallway, <laughs> pretty much for nine hours. Anyway, so he, he runs me off to this room, and he puts me in the room. And I'm like, oh, great. And there were, there were 30 uh, ladies. I mean, they, they were strippers, but we'll call them ladies. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, oh, okay. Well, this is interesting. Here I am in a room backstage at a Bon Jovi, though. Okay. And I stayed away. I'm just like, just don't interfere. Just, you know, pretend you belong. Mm-hmm. And um, Hugh McDonald walks in. And he's like, hey, how's it going? I'm just like, oh, great, great, great. And he goes, oh, he goes, oh the ladies are here. I can see that. Uh, that's not for me. And, he's, and he sits and he stands and talks to me. And then David Bryan walks in, he goes right over to the ladies and Tico Torres walks in, he goes right over to the ladies and they start, you know, fawning over them. And, uh, you know, Richie comes by and bails, gets, gets out of there real quick. And John comes in and I'm standing at right by the door and he bumps into me and I go, hey, and he looks and he sees the ladies, he goes, hey, how's it going? And he, and he leaves. And for about two hours, I, I stood in this room with these ladies talking to you, McDonald, the entire time while uh, Tico and, and, and David were, were getting acquainted. And it, it was just like the most surreal moment. And, you know, I had to work in Montreal the next day and I was, you know, I had a three hour drive, but I ended mm. up leaving at two in the morning. I ended up getting home somewhere around six or seven because I couldn't do the entire three hour drive without stopping to get a coffee. Had to get food. Had, yeah, I had to get food. I had to get coffee. I, I just had to like get air so I wouldn't pass out. And uh, I ended up having to go to work on half an hour sleep. I, I literally got to bed like at 6.30 and had to get up at 7. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and luckily I finished like at 2.30 that day. So I, I, I got to go to bed like at 2.30. I was just like, okay, just a, another five hours. But yeah, so that, that, that was, the, that was the, the meet John and, and the band story. And it was just like, it's not a bad way to meet the band. But yeah, I mean, I, I got to watch Soundcheck. I got... And, and it, it, you know, probably all had to do with I'm in Quebec City. I look like a roadie. I'm speaking only English. Mm-hmm. They must have assumed I was with the band. And when I got back there, yeah. instead of hiding, going, okay, I just walked around going, hey, hey, how's it going? Exactly. I said hi to every security guard on purpose so that they'd go, oh, I, I know the face. Don't worry about it. But nobody asked me for a pass. Nobody asked me for a ticket. Nobody asked me for nothing. They just let me hang out. That's wild. I know. It's the greatest story <laughs> ever. It was the greatest. Oh. It, it's the greatest moment of my life ever. I just, I, I got to spend nine hours backstage at a Bon Jovi show in Quebec City on the Crush Tour. <laughs> and I got to meet everybody, except I didn't get to meet Richie because he, he literally just like walked right by the room. Mm-hmm. But I shook John's, this hand touched John. <laughs> this hand shook John's That's hand. Fantastic. And, um, you know, and, and. I had the greatest conversation with you, McDonald, just about love, life, and the pursuit of happiness. 
And that would have been amazing just to pick his mind a little bit and yeah, an hour chat with, with you. Yeah. It was great. It's great. I do have, I do have a backstage Bon Jovi story. Oh, let's hear it. Well, it was 1995 on the These Days tour, and I had won backstage passes to meet Richie from a local guitar shop. Oh, nice. So I had like the meet and greet type pass. So just you're going to be basically, they bring you into a room, you get to right. talk to Richie for a couple minutes, take a picture, autograph, and you're done. Right. Take you back out. So that experience was great. I mean, I was really nervous. I was only 15 at the time. So like I'm shaking. I have nothing important really to say because (laughs) I just, I'm starstruck. Um, But he was cool. We did pictures and that, and then they lead us back out to our seats. And I'm thinking, no, this isn't good enough. Like I want to meet everybody. (laughs) So similar story. I had a pass on. So local security just let me right back in there again. Yeah, right past them. They don't look. No problem. They didn't care because it's Edmonton security. So I walk back there again. I can hear, I can hear John's voice doing vocal warm ups behind a door somewhere. Like I hear him, and I'm just like, oh, okay, this is great. Doug Flutie is back there hanging out. (laughs) Doug Flutie. That's great. Um, And then I look over one another direction, and Tico's sitting on a bench, just like practicing warming up his hands like just doing the thing and I just I'm kind of nervous to interrupt him but I walked over and I just said is it okay if we have a picture together and he's like yeah 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 let's do it he's all you know oh yeah sure take a nice picture and then I just leave him alone and then some I think it was John's brother who came up to me and said okay yeah you the shows they're about to come out you need to go back (laughs) Oh, but hey, I, I tried. At least I got to meet Zico out of being taking a risk there, and that was cool. Yeah, that was that was that's <laughs> great. <laughs> and 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 you know, you're 15, so they're they're not going to be too rude to a kid. So that's perfect. Yeah, and I was being respectable, polite, quiet. I wasn't being a, like screaming freak. So yeah, it went well. <laughs> <laughs> Two great stories of people who sh- who were who were there who shouldn't have been there. Isn't it great? I I'm, it. I'm, t- I'm, I'm telling you, Quebec City security is very easy. If you speak English and nothing but English and don't let on that you speak any French, they will let you just walk right in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I did it a couple of years later, probably 2003 or, yeah, it must have been 2000. There was a, a Dawkin Scorpions White Snake tour. Did the same thing, showed up early, looked like a roadie. Said I had to pee, and they sent me right back <laughs> twice, twice in my life, Quebec City. So that's 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 the play in Quebec. If you Everybody, ever come out here, you you've got to keep going to that venue. I know and, uh... it's the greatest <laughs> venue ever. Just walk right in. Hey, how's it going? I need a bathroom, toilet, 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 toilet. <laughs> Works every time. Worked at least twice. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I guess I should go back to the album, but uh... <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're at dry County. We are. We're starting dry County. The monster of a song. I head out to the night. I got the sky to open. How 
the song really proved that they were socially conscious and uh, more than just living on a prayer, you know, kind of like a tale of woe for the working men. Yeah. Just, it, it's just a masterpiece and musically as just as much as lyrically, you know, it really about- is. And it really is a, a great, um, testament to, to the band's ability and, and, and song crafting, because if I was the record company, I'd say, John, you need three minute songs. Cause I need them on the raid. I need singles. I can't have this. Yeah. And they probably had that conversation and they stuck to their guns and they put out a nine minute song. And when you think of nine minute songs, you're, you're, you're thinking, you know, early UFO, you're thinking Led Zeppelin, you're thinking whatever. You're not thinking Bon Jovi and they did it and it worked. Mm-hmm. What more do you want? And when they play it live, uh, the times that they do, you would think that it would be a complete showstopper because you're, you're it's nine minutes and it's, 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 you know, and Bon Jovi shows are about pyrotechnics and moving and running around the stage, or at least they used to be mm-hmm. not so much now. Yeah. Yeah, no. Now it's more about standing still. Uh, no offense. Yep. <laughs> no offense. True. But hey, it's a great it's a it's a great gig for you. He just stands in the darkness by, <laughs> by the drum <laughs> riser. Uh, but uh, you would think that, that would be a show killer for a band like Bon Jovi that was all about you know rising up from the stage and and it works and and that's how great of a song it is. And again, it, it's one of the nine minute songs or over five minute songs that I just don't get bored of. You just hear it and you have to hear it to the end. Whereas when I hear November rain, I hear two minutes and I go, gotcha. Thank you. Off I go. It's enough. November rains. Tedious. Not even. It is tedious. Yeah, the chorus isn't even really interesting. I find that it's like the guitar work in that song that's interesting, but not really and the guitar work is interesting when it is put in the video and you see the church and the sand or whatever the you, you know that was a cool scene right very cool scene yeah it, november rain is great when there's the visual appeal but take away the visual appeal and it's just tedious i mean you literally can walk to the bathroom eight times during the song <laughs> don't cry is a better song yeah, Don't Cry is a better song. And, and everybody's favorite, uh, Coma and Estranged. Ugh, just cut them down. Three minutes. <laughs> Stop it. Isn't, isn't Coma one of those songs that they play at sound checks and in arenas to like to monitor like how the sound's moving throughout the place? I think they, they at least back in the 90s, they, Could be. I heard Coma at a lot of shows. Uh, I saw them on the reunion tour in Toronto with Billy Talent opening up. And <laughs> not a fan of Billy Talent. No, well, I have nothing against the guys. Just the, the, yeah. the music doesn't speak to me. But right. they did Coma and I was at the Sky Dome. And I just I just remember going, I have time to run to the bath because I was on the floor. I was like a uh, eighth row so I was looking at the Sky Dome. Okay, I'm going to have to run all the way down the floor, all the way up those stairs. And I and, the, and Coma started playing. And I went, OK, now's the time. <laughs> and I went. People went, you didn't watch? They go. No, it's it's too fucking long. It's bo- Sorry, can I swear on this, by the way? Uh, well, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's boring. It's a, it's a masterpiece. Not to these ears. Sorry. Were you at the show when DNR and Metallica toured together? I was and- in Montreal at the at the. Uh, you Olymp- were at that show. I was at the Olympic Stadium show. Yeah, 
That was a fantastic wow. evening. Let me tell you, <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a waste of my day that was. I'll tell you the quick story on that one. Um, mm -hmm. I had seen Guns N' Roses pre previously. So I saw them in uh, Saratoga Springs uh, in June of, of, I guess, 1990, uh, before the album even came out. And uh, Skid Row opens, and, um, uh, you, you know, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, Skid Row comes on at 7.38. They do their half-hour set. And by the time it was like 11 o'clock or 11.30, Guns N' Roses hadn't come on yet, and fans were throwing bottles, and, and it was just, it was a disaster. And then they come on and play till, till 3 in the morning. And they play a lot of the uh, Use Your Illusion stuff, which nobody had heard because the album hadn't been out yet. And I was just mm -hmm. like, oh, God. And people were pissed. Uh, previously, I'd seen them again in Saratoga Springs, New York, opening for Aerosmith. And uh, fans were throwing bottles. And then Axel was trying to get into the audience. And, and again, it was just, it was a, it was a disaster. Mm. So I get to this show in, in Montreal. And my, my buddy Jay had bought a brand new Honda Civic, brand new. I mean, like this was our, this was the first drive, you know, that kind of brand new with uh, those uh, radios that you used to slide in and slide out. You know, people don't mm -hmm. steal them because, you know, I want to walk around the mall with my fucking radio. <laughs> Remember those? Oh, yeah. God. Uh, and, uh, oh God, it was, yeah, those radios. Anyway, so, so. We were like, eh, we don't like faith no more. We're gonna go eat pizza. So we 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 go eat pizza, you know, and then we we get uh, to the venue after faith no more is played, uh, but, but but we heard it because the pizzeria was right in front of the big O, so we heard the thumping, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we get in and Metallica starts and then whoosh, bring, bring, the guitar, you know, like, huh, great. We've seen what was it, three songs, <laughs> four songs. <laughs> Yeah, and, and then nothing, and then Lars comes out and says, "There was an accident, and or we'll we'll come back and play for you later." I was like, oh, "I got three songs, it's great." And then we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and I think it was like another three hours. Now, you know, if you've ever been to the Olympic Stadium in Montreal, you don't want to spend three hours in that place. It's cold, it's dank, it's dark, it's miserable. Wow. And 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 we're you know, and then they come out and play. And Axel is sitting on the drum riser singing. And it's just like, is he like, seriously, he's going to fucking just sit there all night and sing. And he just eventually just turns around and he slams the, the mic down. He says, uh, he says something like, uh, you, you know, your promoter will refund you or you, uh, talk to your promoter about a refund, something like that. Totally, you know, and they just walk off and they had played, I think seven songs. I'm just like, now, you know, this was the expensive ticket then. I forget how much it cost, but, but it was like 35 bucks or 40 bucks or 50 bucks, which back then was like, you know, 150 bucks. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, we spent all this money, drove all the way here. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's only 60 kilometers from where I am, but, you know, mm -hmm. you know. and my buddy Jay's like, no, well, we're, we're going to wait. They're going to come back out. And I said, no, Jay, I, I've seen this before in Saratoga. This doesn't end well. And I go, you've got a brand new car and it's small. They will flip that fucker. Let's get out of here. So oh, wow. we got to the car and then you could see 
shit starting to happen in the back and bottles being and we just we got the hell out of there so i didn't actually see the riot like oh, up close cause, but because it was it was happening in the back but we're like get to the car just get to, get to the car get to the car just get to the car <laughs> i go jay you're not gonna have a car if we, if we stick around and you know what we were parked right where they started flipping over cars and he had a tiny little honda civic which was you know shiny and new i mean it, it, literally, it literally was still sparkly it was so mm. new they would have they would have flipped and every, since then jay goes goes you know you saved my car i go yeah fucking right i saved your car <laughs> fucking right i did they would have flipped that little piece of crap over you know, <laughs> you know a 1991 or 1992 honda please two people mm. just go floop and it goes flop um, yeah, but so so we spent a whole bunch of money and we saw, I guess, a grand total of nine songs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, my goodness. What? But, it, but it, I guess there's something to say you you experienced that show because that one goes down in history infamously. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing, though. A lot of this stuff that happens, you got to wait 30 years for it to be a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. It, I, at the time, you'd just be like. By the time we were kind of pissed because, yeah. you know, Jay was a massive, massive Metallica fan more than he was Guns N' Roses. And at, at that time, I was a massive Guns N' Roses fan more than I was of Metallica. So it was like the perfect way to satiate both of us in one evening. Turns yeah. out we, we we left both disappointed. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Donald K. Donald and, and whoever else said, we're not going to refund you. You got enough of a show. If you add the faith, no more. Plus of this, plus of that. You got over an hour of music. Fuck off. And I was Are like, you serious. That was my next question. Did you get refunds? Nope. Nope. They said, wow. well, faith, no, it's, it's faith. No more's fault. They played a full set. So they said, nope, you got a full set of this and you got full. What? You got over an hour of music. That's it. Yeah, it's too bad. It's not. Is there? Oh, fuck. I'd be mad. <laughs> I'd be so mad. Yeah, and and didn't come here for faith no more. Metallica did a cool thing. They they came back in February, and said we're going to make up for this. And they did two shows at the Forum, and I forget what the deal was. If you brought your ticket, mm -hmm. you you got you got in for free, or or you got it in or for ten. I forget what it was, but mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to trade in my ticket because I I I could sort of sense the historic purpose of it. I'm, I'm not trading this in. It's the ticket of the the fucking Ryan. I'm not trading that in. And it was also in the middle of February and I couldn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to go anyway. So, so I held on to it and I didn't see those shows, but for at least 40,000 fans that they, they had a chance to trade in the ticket for just, I forget what exactly what the deal was, but there was something about if you bring your Olympic stadium ticket, you get into the show anyway, or so they, they did do two makeup shows for the fans. Metallica did guns and roses did nothing. Of course not. But yeah, of course, but, but Metallica did. So for those that took advantage of, of the, uh, of that, they, they got a good deal. And, and, and I still regret that I didn't go quite frankly, I should have gone. I should have just traded in my ticket for the, I, I think actually it really was free. I think it was, you trade in your Olympic stadium ticket, you get a free, I think that was the deal if I'm not mistaken, but yeah, they made, they did two makeup shows and I missed them. Good story. And everybody tells me that they're the two greatest Metallica kids. shows ever. And I was like, of course they are. Of course they are. Of course they are. Of course they are. Uh, there's a couple of bootlegs floating around from those Montreal makeup shows that are actually like stereo soundboard. They, 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 do, they do sound pretty darn good. I mean, I, I figured, well, at least I'll buy the bootlegs, which I did. There you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 
Woman in Love. I didn't, uh, I didn't re-listen to the album before I know these songs off the top of my head. I, I want to be like, I claim them. I can sing all that stuff. Woman in Love, I know that when I hear it, I like it, but currently I don't like it. It's just there's, there's no soundtrack going through my head. So, I get it. Right. Yeah, that's it. Now, now I've got the soundtrack. But yeah, but that said... It, it is know. it is reasonably uh, forgettable, but it's all right. Like it's still like it's, it's a good it's, song, but it's forgettable. Yeah, yeah. I think. Oh, the the ending is funny because it just ends on "I need a woman." <laughs> it's kind of weird. Yeah, but then, like, but but that's perfect because fear goes. Yeah, you know, like it starts. Mm-hmm. It it starts it right off into fear. Kicks it. Fear maybe, kicks right maybe, out. I bet you I skipped that song just to get to fear. That's what it is. Fear is the greatest Bon Jovi song that 90% of the population has never heard of, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're a diehard Bon Jovi fan, you don't even know it exists, but it is such a good song. So- and the title, the title totally encompasses the feel of the track and it's got this frantic energy. Yeah. Hold up a second. Editor's note. What the fuck does encompasses mean? I just make up words on this show. pre-chorus is the best part too oh i'm a big fan on harmony harmony always gets me and it's really cool in that tune yeah and 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 there's there's some sound effects going there's just everything that song is is perfect i just hmm. the only thing i would take out is the sirens because when i'm driving that annoys me i don't like hearing sirens when i'm driving because i'm like looking around all the time like do i have to pull over you know it's funny (laughs) i i uh i heard fear because uh, I have that, like I said, that this Bon Jovi playlist. So I played it and I was walking the dogs last summer and, and I hear this siren and I start looking her and, I, and it made me all like nerd because I'm on the sidewalk going, oh my God, I got the dogs. Is there something? And it's just like, <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, it's fucking fear. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. I hate, yeah, no, by the way, I hate that. all songs with sirens because I that always happens. I'm either thinking I'm getting pulled over by a cop or I'm thinking there's an emergency situation. I got to get off the road and yeah, I'm usually looking around for an ambulance trying yeah. to get out of the way or a fire Just truck. Stupid sirens. Nobody needs sirens in life. 
there's a lot of radio stations that put that in their like jingles and stuff. Yeah. And it's really annoying. Stupid radio stations. <laughs> we don't but need sirens. Other than, no, we don't. Other than that, fear is perfect. Fear is <laughs> unbelievable. You know, if, if Bon Jovi manages to go on tour uh, soon, whether it's 2021 or 2022, and they write their fans and say, what's the one deep cut you want to hear? We'll play it uh, for, for you this time. We'll, we'll make an exception. We'll, we won't stick to the same 15. Um, I would vote for fear. Be like, yeah, give that a shot. Let's, let's see. Let's see Phil handle yeah. that. Of course he would. <laughs> he would. He would. He would, he would <laughs> absolutely annihilate it. It'd be of course. great. He'd probably even make it more metal than it is. There's so many songs that I figured that John would never touch again because he can't sing them in the same range. I mean, they drop keys all the time, which is fine. Yeah, and they Something run tape once in a while. Yeah, I don't know. There's probably, I think I would go with If I Was Your Mother for that choice, but I, I can't mm. see them doing that live. Mm. Just can't. Right, how, about, how about both? Just give me both. I'd be so happy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Hey, what are we looking at here? Isn't it? It's the 30th next year, right? Yeah, it's the 30th next year. How about a uh, uh, Keep the Faith 30th anniversary tour? Play the album in its entirety. Yeah. Well, skip Woman in Love, but for the rest. <laughs> I saw, do you like the band Extreme? I do. I saw, I went to Chicago to see them about five years ago because they were doing the porno graffiti in its entirety. I think it was mm. the 25th anniversary. Yeah, that was cool. That's pretty, like, I, absolutely huge fan of extreme it was worth the show yeah uh, i know gary and and we get along great and they're just they, they just deliver live i saw them um uh, twice recently one at the heavy montreal and the other time at um, the m3 festival in maryland mm -hmm. and you, you just can't compete i mean the guitar playing's insane um gary's an incredible front man mm -hmm. and yeah no they're 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 just a terrific band and 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 they have a new album coming out that was supposed to be out but covid has derailed it but it's completely finished and as soon as they can oh, tour they're going to release it and um uh i've had a chance to hear a little bit <gasps> and it, it's great it's it's great yeah they uh that's going to be a highlight of my future is hearing their new album. I'm so stoked for that. Yeah, it's you're you're definitely going to dig that, and, and hopefully it'll come out at the end of 2021. I mean, it should. It was supposed to be out, I believe, September of 2020, and they're mm -hmm. cl they're clearly holding on to it because of this touring situation. But it'll be it's out smart. soon, and you'll you'll hear it. The fans are really antsy in the in like the groups and forums and stuff because they're like okay hurry up already but i see why they're doing that and it's smart gotta wait yeah i'm i'm you know this far into the uh pandemic i understand at the beginning you know when john delayed the 2020 album because it was supposed to be out in may mm -hmm. i was like oh that's so stupid i mean i've got nothing to do we're all locked down yeah. we're locked down in la and edmonton we're all we're, we're not going anywhere yeah so we'll just we'll, we'll play the, the you know the f out of your album. No, you can't have it, dude. Got nothing to do. Give me some mute. No, <laughs> it didn't make any sense. It made no sense to me. And they yeah. go, well, it's good. We, we can't have an album if we can't tour. You know what? You can tour it next year and say, hey, we didn't get to tour it last year, but here we. Nobody's gonna go. Oh no, and no, no, sorry, no. 
you waited a year. No, I'm not going to go to your, no, nobody's going to do that. <laughs> yeah. They're not doing anything like help us out here a little bit and give us some music. <laughs> yeah. And I got to say, there's a lot of bands that I, I wasn't a great big fan of and they put out albums and I sat there and I listened to them because I had nothing else to do. And I, I absolutely love those albums. So it's like, look, it worked. You should have, you should have done it. you the ballad the other ballad yeah the other ballad. um it, i like it i do it could have been a single it, well the whole album could have been a single if, if properly yeah. done well maybe maybe not blame it on love or rock but yeah it, yeah but when when you're on an album with in these arms mm -hmm. what are you gonna do you're gonna pick in these arms you're gonna pick yeah. in these arms i mean yeah uh, and as much as I've heard enough of Better Roses at the time, it was a great single. It's a great song. It's a great video. So, you know, you got In These Arms, Better Roses, I Want You. What do you I mean, I, there's, there's no chance that I Want You is going to get any love from anybody. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of just a stereotypical love ballad. There's nothing really special about it, but I do like it. And I, I like the lyrics about all I got is my guitar, these chords and the truth. There's yeah. some cool lyrics in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably another love letter to Dorothea, you know. <laughs> were, were they love letters to Dorothea at the time or were they somebody else? <laughs> who knows? But uh, I think they were probably at a good place then. But uh, who knows? Um, uh, blame it on the love. Of rock and roll. They said it won't last, but famous on the
yeah, blame it on the love of of rock and roll. Uh, that worked for me because mm-hmm. uh, it it was anthemic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, driving around with the uh, the tape uh, <laughs> the tape deck rocking in the what was it at the time? A Mazda three two three. Oh my god, I'm embarrassed to say that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's it's hard it's hard to be taken seriously in a master's three two three, <laughs> but yeah I mean uh, I I was like yeah just, I love rock and roll blame it on my love of rock and roll I'm you know um, got my vaccination from a phonograph needle yeah cool. yeah well, which which is is a I think is a line from uh, hooked on rock and roll from a, from another artist or Peter Chris covered that oh is it okay yeah so. Uh, that that totally spoke to me. I was completely down for that. Great, great song. Great. I mean, it's not a uh, it's not a single in any way, yeah. shape, or form. But it's a great deep cut. You know, it felt like a throwback to New Jersey a little bit for me. I felt like this would huh? have been like a bad medicine type of tune. Like just. Uh, is it me or is bad little, medicine overrated? I like bad I medicine, but I don't. I don't, I don't see it. all. I don't see all the love for it. I mean, it's like it's a good song. But I don't love it. Please, there's a there's a million better songs. Stick to your guns is a way better song. Yeah, way better. Or wild is the wind. Yeah, you know? those are great tracks. I even like ninety nine in the shade better. That's a great track too. I I think it's like with bad medicine. It was just one of the more of those party mass appeal arena type songs, and that's why it got chosen. And I think I think one of the reasons I I'm not a big fan of. I mean, I like bad medicine. Don't get me wrong, but. I got tired of it real quick is because for so many years, for about 15 years, um, uh, they kept putting in that shout, nah, 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 shout. And I was just like, do I need, oh, that's annoying. Do I need I a 12 fucking minute version of, I don't need 12 minutes of this. And every year yeah. it was shout. Like they I, always if you're, do that still, like or the last I saw them, oh, they do were they? still doing that. It's like, and then, oh, I yeah. hate, you know what song I, okay, I hate who says you can't go home. I do. And when they do it live. Well, you know what? Right, I'll tell you what. Right. It drives me nuts. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the who says uh, you can't go home. I was, um, what was that album called again? Uh, 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 not Bounce. It was uh, Have, Have a Nice, a nice day. day. Yeah. So before Have a Nice Day was um, released, they had sent in a version of the album to the record company. And that version of the album was rejected and they had to do it again. And wow. yes. And so somebody had sent me and I probably shouldn't admit this publicly, but I will. Somebody had sent me a CD of the new Bon Jovi album before it got rejected. And so you've got Have a Nice Day as a six-minute song with a big, giant bridge in the middle, sounding very much like Blood on Blood. Wow. Uh, uh, you have the song I Want to Be Loved with completely different lyrics. I think I've heard that. Right. Yes, because I think uh, they might have released it after, eventually. Yeah. Or, anyway. I found uh, some tracks here and there that were different. You, so have, um, you have a song called Nothing. That was never, never released officially. Oh, I love that song. But you had Who Says You Can't Go Home as a duet with Keith Urban. Mm -hmm. And so I got it. I'm going to say I got the CD like in September and the album ended up coming out like 
in in the spring or or later on. Anyway, so 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 for at least six months, I had a chance to listen to um, have a nice day with that long bridge, and I had a, a chance to hear the Keith Urban. So I grew an appreciation for that song. So I know when you say you don't like it, it's because yeah, because then they they put out that Sugarland version, and it was abysmal. You just went oh. And I like Jennifer Nettles. I think she's fantastic. But there's the song started to annoy me after a while. Instead of yeah, but but the like, version with Keith Urban it, was great. But it, 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 uh, yeah. But of it course, was. I understand why they couldn't release it. I mean, you got two guys <laughs> that sort of sound alike singing mm-hmm. a song. Like it's like okay, it doesn't really work, you, you know. It, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, you're gonna have to hear that. Have a nice day someday. I'll find it. I know I will, but I, yeah, I just think that that song just started to get on my nerves after a while. And I, I credit that a lot to hearing it live because I hate that call and answer thing that they do with it. It just drives me nuts. I don't know why. Yeah. There, you know, there are, there are some bits to the routine that, that uh, John and, and company need to, to clean up the, the shout during bad medicines got to go. The, the, the that, that give and take crowd participation has got to go you'd think that they would be bored of it themselves you know that they'd want to mix it up if they want to do a cover throw in a different cover that they haven't done yet yeah and this band's good at doing covers they're very good at doing covers and they're great at doing live shows too but yeah so yeah just change it up <laughs> give us something new but uh, yeah, going on to a little bit of soul. Um, this is a good feel-good jam at the end of the record, you know, kind of leaves everything on, on a positive note. Well, strong bridge. keep in mind that on the Japanese version, it wasn't the end of the record, Save a Prayer was. Oh, I uh, got that in my bonus section here. Yeah, uh, yeah a little bit of soul is great. It, it, it reminded me of, um, trying to think, it reminded me of one of the... Uh, uh, Bad Medicine songs. Was it 99 in the Shade or, um, oh no, Love for Sale. It reminds me a little bit of Love for Sale. It, it had that sort of loosey goosey vibe. I mean, I know they, they don't, they're not like cousins or anything, but it has sort of a loose vibe to it like uh, Love for Sale did. And I dug mm-hmm. that. Great. It did. It felt like you were just hanging out at a jam. Yeah, which is kind of like what Love for Sale, I mean, Love for Sale is a goofy song, but it's a goofy fun song. Mm-hmm. And a little bit of soul is sort of a goofy fun song. Even rocks 
of a prayer. That's the edge of a broken heart here. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that is such a great song. You just go, oh, they left it off. And you're like, oh God, why? Why? You didn't edge of a broken didn't didn't you learn anything from edge of a broken heart? <laughs> but we've learned that John doesn't always know what, what songs are going to be successful and ones aren't just from what he did with always or every day. You know? when he shelved it yeah so i mean his his interpretation of what he thinks is the great song sometimes uh, i don't know every don't interview on bounce every day is, is our new living on it's our new and then you know five years later he goes i really thought every day was going to be great. didn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah and he's the first to admit it he's like i didn't think that song was worth anything and then it was really good like he'll 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 say yeah I don't I'm not good at judging what's going to work and what isn't. Yeah, well, he needs a better pizza parlor. <laughs> <laughs> prayer was it actually kind of reminded me of you too for the first time hmm. in something i heard from them i did i don't know why hmm. but i feel now they sound more like you too oh you know what the other the, the other track was was starting all over again mm-hmm. starting i like that over. one see here all right let's see so uh let's see save a prayer so take save a prayer and standing okay so uh throw out woman in love mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh throw out i want you and put those two in and that's a perfect album right there that's a good point it's a perfect yeah album. i don't think any i don't think anything else would be 
something you'd want to throw out. That's for sure. Think about it. Think about how save a prayer starts. So sure. you, you go from dry County into how save a prayer starts. One fades out slowly. And then one sort of builds up slowly. Yeah. That would, they would fade in really nice. And then fear going into uh, starting all over again, mm-hmm. you know, cause you have fear and now you're starting all over again. And then goes into blame it on rock. And, oh, I'm going to have to go try that playlist myself later. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You should have produced this album. I should wow. have. I should have. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I didn't produce a Honeymoon Suite album, but they have an album called Clifton Hill. And uh, the manager at the time, Tom Tremuth, sent it to me. And he goes, listen to this. And I went, I went, it's bloody horrible. I, 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 I can't take it. And uh, I, I, re, I put it in my iTunes and I, and I shuffled it around. And I went, ah, it's brilliant. So I sent it back. I said, I said, I said, Tom, you got to listen to the, the sequence that I put it in, the, the track list and the way I put it. Mm-hmm. And he listened. He goes, he goes, that's brilliant. I go, yeah, <laughs> because they didn't have any flow to it. It was just like like a brick. You know, here's the and I went, no, a couple of big ones, a slower one. I'm kind of, eh. And it can uh, change everything. And it did, because the album, as it was sent to me, was just tedious. And then. I gave it some peaks and valleys you know, and, and Tom was like, Oh, that's brilliant. He goes, do you mind if we use that? I go, well, why would I mind if you use that? It's your songs. Of course you can use that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the album ended up coming out with the way I had sequenced it in my iTunes. And it was just like, yes, smart move boys. Wow. Smart move. Smart move. I'm good. I'm good at the sequencing thing. My hidden talent. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Clifton Hill. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's great. I had, I, I had them on the show last year. That was a really cool chat. I like that a lot. Fun guys. Uh, yeah. Derry is a underrated guitarist. I have I have always said that he's Canada's Eddie Van Halen. I mean, he really is a a, a tasteful player who can wail. Mm-hmm. You know. Basically, we kind of you know summed up the whole the whole album of Keep the Faith. And the thing that I didn't mention to you yet is this is the album that I discovered Bon Jovi on. To be honest with you, I grew up in a very religious household. Rock and roll was frowned upon. So, I mean, when I started to discover my own music, it was probably around 87, 88. And I went, I I gravitated towards a lot of pop then. So this is when I was starting to get into rock and roll. When Keep the Faith came out, I was like, I like this a lot. And then, and then I went into the back catalog from there. And to this day, they're my favorite band of, of my life, you know? You know, so, uh, Bon Jovi reignited my my flame for for harder rock at the time because, you know, I came out of the seventies loving Aerosmith and Cheap Trick and Kiss, and then come the early eighties they were just woeful. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> and I got into uh, Cuts Like a Knife, and I got into um, uh, Camouflage yeah. by Rod Stewart. Some guys have the, all the luck, and I got into Huey uh, Lewis in the News, uh, Sports. And I, and I, and I had that period of, you know, reckless and, you know, three, four five years. And then I heard, and I remember it, I was, it was the living room TV and, uh, uh, you give love a bad name came on hmm. and I, I wasn't waiting for it. It just came on and I stopped in my tracks and I stared at that and I just went, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the newspaper and I said, you know what? I said, if it's on sale, I'll go buy it. And it was at the, it was at Discus, uh, the, the old Discus chain, on sale for $5.99, the cassette. And I went straight to the mall and I bought it. And I went, 
if it sucks, it's only five ninety nine, and at least I'll have one good song. And you know the the mall is fourteen kilometers away, so drove. By the time I drove home, I heard I don't know three songs, four songs, and I was just like, dude, I'm I'm, I'm this is it, I'm in, Bon Jovi. Oh. I don't know who they are, but Bon Jovi, you know. <laughs> Yeah, trying, I'm trying to think what I can't remember off the top. What were the first three songs? So let it rock. You give love a bad name. Living on a prayer. Social I heard the, disease. I social know. disease wasn't maybe after that. It okay. was fourth, but I don't. I don't remember if I got to. So, but I, I know that I got through the first three songs. And I was just like, dude, I'm in. That's it. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, uh, you know, all those other bands that I had seen on TV but I hadn't bought. Uh, you know, once I had exhausted the uh, the bon jovi catalog then i moved on to the def leopard catalog and then poison ah, came out and man. like you know i i saw the pyromania stuff all over tv but i didn't buy the stuff but then after bon jovi and you give love a bad name i bought the stuff and i just went okay now we're in mm-hmm. and then you know uh, then the poisons and then the guns and roses and so it's, it's entirely you give love a bad name that got me into the hard or the whatever we'll call it hard rock, even though when you look back on it, it's more like, you know, ain't that hard now, is it? Ain't that hard now. It's, <laughs> it's more pop rock, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, those, the, the, those sounds that, that whole thing, I mean, thank you, Desmond. Thank you, John. Thank you, Richie. I mean, good, good oh, God. Desmond child. What a, a talent. Yeah. Yeah. My, my buddy actually, Jeremy's interviewing him uh, this coming, uh, this upcoming week. Yeah, I've watched a few of Jeremy's interviews. I like him. He's pretty cool. He's good at it. I liked, uh, I think he, I saw one where he was talking to Brian Adams on his stage. Yeah, I was on, was, I was on that stage with him. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, uh, I, every so often I post a picture of, of that, of me standing on that stage at the Bell Center because, you know, it's Brian Adams standing at the Bell Center. Exactly. You know, we, uh, Jeremy and I went down to um, Syracuse to see the uh, Billy Idol and, uh, brian adams uh tour a couple of years ago and uh mm-hmm. we got there and we uh we went out to, uh, to to say hello to steve stevens and um and uh i i talked to mickey curry the, the drummer about doing an interview anyway so we're backstage and all of a sudden you hear this vocal of sweet dreams sweet dreams i made a and it was brian warming mm-hmm. up and it was him and a guitar singing Sweet Dreams. And it was the greatest version of Sweet Dreams I've ever heard. I mean, that raspy voice doing Sweet Dreams is, I, I would just, yeah. I just wish that it wouldn't be like the, the rehearsal. You know, I, I, I would hope that someday he says, you know what, I fucking nailed this song. I'm just going to record it. Cause yeah, like, like even as we were talking to Mickey Kerr, we just all stopped and just, Sweet Dreams on me. And it's just like, oh, oh. And it just, all three of us were just like, oh, that's good. And if you can just do it acoustically, just your voice and the guitar, that's impressive. It was him and his guitar. And it was, it was, it was just, man, it was good. It was so good. Did you ever see him on the tour where uh, he played bass? I did. Uh, that was the the tour the, the where they did that Live at Budokan album. So that was yeah. uh, 2007, eight or earlier, maybe. Trying to think. Maybe. Um, it was after a day like today, that album. Yeah, but I did see that at the Bell Center. I I, I don't miss Brian. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah, miss, I'm, I'm big, gonna miss I'm Genesis this time. I'm not gonna miss Brian. 
But like when they were going to do Brian Adams and Bon Jovi, I had planned to actually fly to the States to see it. Cause of course they're not coming to Edmonton, but like I planned to go and then this pandemic happened. So I was like, well, two of the, my uh, favorites together. The, the yeah. tour was coming to Montreal, but not together because in Canada, Brian is a headliner and didn't want to, uh, to open. And I was just like, Oh, for fuck's sake, get over yourselves. It was, that was his decision. <clears throat> well, that's my oh. understanding. Okay. Because in Montreal, Bon Jovi booked a night. And then a few nights later, Brian booked a night. So they were both going to come play the Bell Center. So I was going to see both, but I was going to see both on different nights. Right. It's like, oh, come on. Well, in the States, was Brian actually going to be considered an opener or was he going to be like an even no, show? No, he was an opener. I saw in 2004-ish, maybe 2005, I saw Brian Adams on tour opening up for Def Leppard in the States. So I thought he had the US wrapped around his finger, but maybe not. Nope. He he's an opener in the States. When I listen on, on the uh on, on the uh, Billy Idol shows, they swapped, but yeah, I mean uh, I saw the uh, the show in uh New Hampshire and then I saw the show in Syracuse and um in Syracuse uh Brian went first and there wasn't there wasn't as it, I mean the, the place wasn't packed out. Mm-hmm. you know oh okay so. yeah i think it, it's probably like the time frame too maybe in the 90s he would have been filling all the arenas in the u.s you know after everything i do came out during that time yeah from from reckless onwards i guess but after that you know uh i don't think uh i think anywhere else he tours in the world though it's sellout arenas including obviously Canada, but I think Europe, Japan, Europe and Japan, he's a stadium guy. Yeah. But can you just imagine if Brian Adams, Def Leppard and Bon Jovi were to tour together? I mean, that would be, that would be, I follow them everywhere. (laughs) That would absolutely be a stadium tour. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why they're not. I know there's, there's always been this thing about John and and Def Leppard, not sharing a stage or for whatever fucking reason. They did. Like a few years ago, they did a show together in Europe. Yeah, but but it's rare. Yeah. But I don't know. You take Brian Adams, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard, and for, for shits and giggles, you throw in White Snake, and you just throw that into every stadium across the North America. Mm-hmm. They won't do it. Absolutely. They won't do it. Tickets would be expensive. Oh, I don't give a fuck. That that's worth <laughs> three hundred bucks. <laughs> I think so. I'd be there. Yeah, but for sure, they don't want to do it anyway. I'm really grateful to have had a chat with you today about all this stuff. It's been really fun. So it's, it's been great. Thank you so much, Mitch, for joining me on the show. Mitch LaFon, you can check out his show, Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon, wherever you want to find your favorite podcast. You can also follow his YouTube channel. And while you're at YouTube, make sure you stop by and visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash dope nostalgia to see some extra content from this interview. Mitch and I will be going over some of the very cool Bon Jovi audios that we've collected over the years. Um, some of the cool box sets and stuff that we've got so uh, you can find that on our YouTube 
Thank you so much for tuning in today. Take care. Hey, kids, put down that Tamagotchi and listen for a second. You know, you can follow us on Twitter at NostalgiaDope, Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.